we had a very traumatic weekend. <laughs> um, Chloe got into the medicine cabinet. I really debated sharing this at all. In fact, when I talked to my husband and my daughters about whether or not I should share any of this or mention any of it, their immediate response was no. <laughs> like, why would, why would you do that? Um, and after I shared, I think, why I was feeling like I wanted to or led to or whatever, um, then they, they understood and they were like, that's fine if that's what you want to do. I think for me, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, it's not to share my trauma so that everybody else feels as crappy as I felt all weekend um, or like to get pity or sympathy or anything like that, views, whatever. Um, for me, I think it's going to be easier to let go of all of this just weight and just exhaustion, honestly. Like we have been so exhausted and like tense and stressed. And I think that sharing this to where, you know, hopefully it can help other people who have children who might be doing like we were doing and putting off, putting things like safety locks and stuff in place, you know, maybe this could do some kind of good for everybody else. I should start off by saying that Chloe is fine. Um, she is pretty much, I think she is, she's fully back to normal at this point. It was a long journey. <laughs> uh, we were really concerned that she wouldn't be for a while. Her, I'll, I'll share everything here in a second, but she's okay, she's good. Um, so that could have gone much worse than it did. I'm very grateful. <sighs> anyway, so that's why I'm sharing. I think that this could, A, possibly have a purpose and be beneficial to somebody else, and B, maybe just be cathartic for me to get it out there, release the weight, and, um, and move on and get some rest. So Chloe is 10 months old, just for some backstory. She's 10 months old. She's not walking yet. Just over the past week, she kind of took a little bit of her first step, but hasn't followed up with the other foot yet. So she's not like moving around. She hasn't been digging in cabinets or drawers yet. Um, we could see that it was coming soon. So we had been looking at child locks for all the cabinets and drawers. We even had some saved in our Amazon cart, kind of trying to decide, do we want to go like the magnet route or the push, you know, press release, you know, like looking at all the different options. Um, we brought it up several times and we thought that we still had more time. You know, they say like, I only turned my head for a minute. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that feels very accurate in our case. I looked at her one minute, she was playing with a water bottle. And then the next time I looked at her, there were pills all over the floor. Um, and obviously, you know, like I came in and I checked, I swept through her mouth to make sure there was nothing in her mouth. I picked everything up off the floor. She seemed fine at that time. Um, called poison control and, and told them, you know, look, this is what's happened. I'm not gonna mention any of the medicines because some of it was prescription medicines that that's personal, right? To whoever's prescription it was. So I'm not gonna go there. Um, but I told them what she had gotten into. And, uh, you know, at first they were like, okay, if, if, if this is what she got into, we're fine. Um, let's go ahead and, and just observe her. But 
she should be just fine. So uh, we're like, okay, I dodged a bullet on that one. Um, Matt was holding her against his chest, trying to get her to go to sleep, like maybe 30, 45 minutes later, and she started doing this whole like smacking sound with her mouth, which was odd. Um, obviously, it's not something that she normally does. Um, and instead of falling asleep, she was just kind of staring off at the wall. And so he was like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she took more than we thought, or maybe she took something different or like, it just didn't seem right. Let's call them back again. So we called poison control again and they sent us into the ER to have her observed. So we took her into the ER and um, she started off not too bad, you know, she was just a little, still a little dazed, still just kind of acting a little, little funky, but nothing too crazy. Um, she threw up on the way to the ER. We were like, yes, we definitely should have brought her uh, 100%. She's never actually thrown up before. She's spit up, but she's never thrown up. Um, and so, you know, they put her on the monitors. And for the first hour, it was fine. Even the ER was telling us that, you know, we'll probably, we need to observe her just to make sure she doesn't have any effects, but we'll probably just be able to send you home and it'll be fine. Um, they had her attached to like all of the heart monitors and the oxygen saturation monitor was like tied to her, her little toe and she had all these just cords everywhere. And um, over the course of the next hour or two, she started getting really agitated. Uh, she couldn't sit still. She couldn't even feed, you know, usually I'll breastfeed her and it'll help calm her down. She couldn't breastfeed for more than like two seconds. And then she was kind of just flailing back and forth and moving and, um, couldn't even like look you in the eye. Usually she can stare at you and you can kind of talk to her and she'll smile and have this, you know, she couldn't keep maintain eye contact. She was just kind of looking and darting her eyes all over the place. Um, and then her heart rate started increasing. Um, I got up like, you know, slowly increased to 170 and then 180 and then eventually it was over 200, like 216, I want to say, and her blood pressure was going up. So, uh, a few hours in, she just was totally inconsolable, just screaming nonstop, didn't want to eat, didn't like, you couldn't, like I said, couldn't maintain her focus, just flailing and screaming for hours and hours. Um, we got there at like 11 o'clock at night. Um, once they decided that they weren't going to be able to keep us because they didn't have a children's ward, they got us a room at... Um, we ended up being an amazing children's hospital, um, Emmanuel Children's Hospital. I'll have to double check on that name. I've got some video footage of their of their amazing facilities. It was just a really, if we had been there for a different reason, it would have been a really cool experience seeing their hospital. Um, so they got us a bed at the children's hospital and they fast-tracked us. They called it, I think, a level three with the ambulance where they do the lights and sirens and get you there faster. Um, they wanted to get her over to a children's specific area as fast as possible. Um, they'd already like had issues with getting the IV in. I had to, she was, it was awful. Uh, she was flailing and screaming and they ended up having to poke her like four, four or five times. I can't even remember. I had to help hold her down. And finally they got one in that was like kind of iffy. Like we think that it's, seems to be working. We don't know how long it's going to last. It's not super smooth. So um, anyway, obviously they were ready to get her over to a place that specializes in little babies and children. I tried to take some 
footage of different parts of this for Matt and for our parents, um, just to feel like they were included in different pieces that they weren't really able to be there for. So if I'm able to share any of those clips with you, that's what they are. They're just different little snapshots of moments um, throughout this experience that I took to be able to share with his parents and my parents and with Matt when he wasn't able to be there for the ambulance ride so that everybody could feel like they were present and a part of what was happening. So the ambulance got there. I rode over with her in the ambulance. Matt had to take the car because only one person could ride in the ambulance with her. And she screamed the whole time, the whole way there. Uh, it was about six o'clock in the morning. Um, and so when we got to the uh, children's hospital, it was pretty much more of the same, only we were in a more, a more comfortable room. Poor Matt, like all that time, he's in this hard little chair and we're both just swapping positions and trying to keep her, trying to keep her calm. And um, so once we got to the, uh, the children's hospital, they started giving her medicine to sedate her. But it took so, like it took so long before the medicine really started working. And it had been 32 hours before any of us were actually able to fall asleep. So from 32 hours of being awake. Uh, so from what we got there at like 11 o'clock that night, she probably started screaming around one or two in the morning and that carried on until the next day, Friday, at 6 or 6.30 p.m. when they got aggressive with the Ativan and started giving it to her every 30 minutes until she fell asleep. <sighs> so that was, um, that was really hard, not only because her heart rate and her blood pressure were up, but because like, we didn't know if she was in pain we didn't know, you know, I'm sure she felt really weird at most and didn't know what was going on and just was flailing and we were trying to let her know, you know, we're here for you and um, and just the screaming. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a room even for like a, a little period of time with a screaming baby. Um, I mean, that in itself can be really stressful, but that in addition to all the other things that were going on uh, with her health and with us being concerned, um, like, is she gonna have any kind of permanent effects from this? We kept asking the doctors, like, is she, is she's not able to focus, she just keeps flailing and moving around and like, is, is, is it possible that this could cause permanent damage? And they assured us with what she took that it would be out of her system um, in like a day, day and a half, and that there would be no permanent damage. So we were, we were at least really hopeful about that. Um, but between like the screaming and the, the just not being able to console her, not being able to do anything. I mean, we broke down crying so many times. <laughs> I had to eventually just like, and, and no sleep, no sleep on top of that. At like probably around noon the following day, after hours and hours of that, I just walked out of the room and, and like stood at the window at the end of the unit barefoot and was just like staring out the window. I was so just done, you know, and just started bawling, started crying. Uh, it was terrible. Finally, when she fell asleep, that was, 
that was uh, a blessing for all of us. Um, so then we were able to try to sleep. But then of course, when we were able to try to sleep, I just couldn't sleep like an hour or two later and I was gonna try this terrible migraine came on and I started just throwing up. I got up probably three or four times to throw up that night. Matt had to leave the hospital to go get me some medicine because I'm not the patient. He had to go to the store to get me some medicine um, for migraines and for nausea. Um, like my, my lips started cracking. You can kind of still see it. Just the amount of stress, like I, I still can feel a little bit of it, but it was just like fire from like my head all the way down my spine, uh, my chest, you know, it's like I was lit up, like my nerves, every nerve was just, just lit up. So after the Ativan, they still, they still had to come back and give her some more doses. It only kept her down for maybe four hours and she woke up and so they gave her some more. And then the next day, um, you know, most of the medicines that she had taken were, I think, coming out of her system, but she still had all of the Ativan, all the sedation still in her system. And so that was like another weird experience because, you know, we had a couple of family members came over to see her and I guess they weren't adequately prepped and one of them burst into tears. She couldn't, couldn't really hold her head up. Um, her eyes kind of kept rolling back. Um, she was just kind of like a little floppy. And we just kept saying, you know, it's just the sedation. Um, nothing more is going on here, right? As soon as the sedation wears off, she's gonna be, she's gonna be good. She's gonna be back to normal. Um, so they ended up keeping us later than they thought because her heart rate and blood pressure were still high, but eventually they came back down to normal. And, um, and aside from the sedation, which still took another day to wear off, like the next morning, she still wasn't able to really stand up and she was just too wobbly and kind of falling over sideways a little bit. Um, that, that did eventually go away. It was gone by probably later on that night, like Saturday night, Sunday night. I, this was seriously the longest weekend I've ever experienced. Matt and I were talking about that. We're like, like really? Like it was only two days. It felt so long. Um, and I think that probably part of the reason that it felt so long was just the, the lack of sleep. Cause you know, you sleep six to nine hours every night. Well, that chunk of time we were awake and still experiencing things 100% uh, during that time. Um, it just felt incredibly long. It wasn't until Saturday, like the day she was gonna be discharged, if I'm right on my days, um, that we finally left the room. She was asleep. We left her with the nursing staff and we were just, okay, we're just gonna go take a quick walk around the hospital. <laughs> uh, just, we haven't left her side in so long and just to kind of get out and breathe. And um, you know, that's where I got to see like how incredible this pediatric unit was. They had like a, a cool play area where we were able to, to bring Chloe to kind of slap around at some of the toys. We took her there a couple of times. Um, they had a, like a family section with just views and couches and a refrigerator for people who are staying longer. And they had a, a children's garden that you could walk around that had all of these cool statues and, and gardeny things. And the staff there was on point. We had an amazing experience with the staff. And um, 
and now she's doing good. <laughs> she's back to normal. She's back to normal before we're back to normal. <laughs> I'm still recuperating, um, but she is, she is doing good and so grateful. And we now have like, while I was in the hospital, I ordered all of the child locks for the cabinets and the drawers to be overnighted. So they were already here when we got back from the hospital and those are all in place now too. And so, I mean, if you or anybody that you know, we all know somebody who has babies at some point, you know, sometimes you think that you have a little more time before you need to implement some of these things because it hasn't happened yet, right? Like she's not walking yet, so we have time. Um, but if you wait until, if you wait until they're already taking those actions, then it could be too late or you could be putting them at risk. And this could have been a much more terrifying story and experience. Um, I mean, I can't even, I hate to even think about it. You know, but it was it was very a very real thought and presence when we were in the hospital that this could go a different way or this could have gone a very different way. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully this helps anybody that needs to help, and hopefully we can all breathe now and move on past this experience. <laughs> And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, um, I don't know, doing your part in whatever this is. And I'm gonna leave it at that. All right, have a good week.